Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dash Radio Show with your hosts, Don Wright DeBrantz and Peter Mingles. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradioshow.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on facebook.com forward slash the Dash Radio. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to tonight's Dash Radio Show. I'm Dawn Wright de Bronson. My co-host is here, Mr. Peter Mingles. Peter is right here. And we are having a really fun week so far. It's only Tuesday, but we got a phone call a couple nights ago, and it's kind of just changed the vibe of this week from the the everyday humdrum of entrepreneurism <laughs> to, to we to have ex- yeah, we have our E for entrepreneurism turned into E for extraterrestrial, <laughs> and it's it's a really 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 fun week. So um, I would like to welcome our. Fabulous guest, the director of the film Sirius, Mr. Amardeep Kalika, or Arm. <laughs> however, yeah, thank however you so much, you like Don. to say it. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you guys. Hi, Peter. Hi. Okay, so oh. we had a really great interview with Casca this morning, and um, and that was a really interesting way to kick this off. And you had a ton of stuff that you were doing for the film, and. Why don't we just start this by, could you give just a little bit of a teaser as to what the film is all about so that everybody who's listening can kind of hear it right from you? Well, hold on a second. Dawn, before you let him do that, could you give us more of an intro? Because we're talking as if everybody was on our previous show, and <laughs> we started a whole new show. So well, you a, do it. Go well, ahead. Well, no, there's a lot of people that, like, really don't, like, this is, like, big news. You tell like, them, then. Like, tell this them. Is, like, big news. Like, holy cow. <laughs> Like from your Italian bra- from your Italian background, like when you get guests, not besides arm, but when you have those kinds of guests coming and visiting, you buy cake at least. What kind of cake? <laughs> what kind of cake do we buy for the six-inch little creature that they found that's been around for a really long time that no one knows anything about just yet? But okay, so I'll get started. So, for- <laughs> this is like big news. Like, it's come on, news. I, I mean, I haven't stopped talking about it in 48 hours, so you tell tell them tell them if they didn't hear a few well, hours ago. Yeah, tell them. everybody hears every conversation you had with everyone else. Well, I expect <laughs> them not to have a life besides what's going on with me, Peter. <laughs> so for all those people that are listening into the Dash Radio, we run a radio station. Don and I started a while back. And it, the, the reason why we call it the dash, it's kind of like everything in between. You know, you have your date of birth and you have the date that it's over, and everything else in between is what people kind of find out about. Well, we've been speaking about the entrepreneurial things and self-development and, you know, that ooh-rah-rah spirit and all those kinds of things, you know, defend the little guy and help yourself and self-sufficiency and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, we get derailed by the stuff that Arm is going to talk about over here. By like we're not just doing this all by ourselves anymore. Like there's like little creatures that might be hanging around, and I say that part playfully, but the reality is there's a whole bunch of stuff that a lot of people don't have access to as far as that information. And his movie 
plus all the other stuff we might start to talk about is really starting to like, oh my gosh, you guys cannot hide this anymore. You can't put this in the closet. It's out there. It's happening. Arms movie is actually going to be like a little documentation, a little documentary that actually goes through a whole bunch of stuff about how, you know, the extraterrestrial, whatever we're going to call them, things have been around, how they're here, how stuff is going on like this. And I'm like, wait a minute, I got to get dressed just in case they show up. Or maybe, you know, <laughs> should we bring something? Like, how do you treat a guest that comes from like somewhere else, especially if you know they're all over the place? So I wasn't well, thinking no, about that. No, you just totally blew Arm telling us what the movie was about. That's why no. I wanted him to no, say. No, he's going to still do it anyway. But we're going to say, they got to come catch it. they got to come catch it. I'm so excited. And okay. Then, um, okay. Now you have to say, you have to outdo Peter. Okay, okay. <laughs> How do I outdo Peter? I don't know. He's Italian, so it's all good. Um, well, in, in our situation, uh, especially because you guys are talking about entrepreneurship, we decided to do a crowdfunded film, a documentary on this specific topic of anomalous things that have been happening on this planet for thousands of years. Um, and we can go so far back. I mean, we can talk about the Bible. We can talk predating the Bible. We can talk about a number of things. We won't go down that rabbit hole. And this is the one thing you will find out about this topic. There are a ton of rabbit holes, including conspiracies. Um, and so you got to be careful and measure and weigh out what is true and what is not true consistently as you're discussing this stuff. And what we try to do in the film is we try to scientifically analyze certain things that are happening, whether they be the UFO phenomenon or the government conspiracies or, in this case, a little uh, anomalous specimen that was found in Chile uh, in the Atacama Desert, which is being called Atacama Humanoid, and it um, transferred ownership several times, and people were using it to almost like a circus fair, like people were inviting other people to come buy tickets to go look at this little alien being, quote-unquote. And then uh, another private collector uh, got it and took it to Spain. And through our crowdfunding, and that's why I always bring it full circle, through the community of ET researchers and people who are, are really up-to-date on this stuff, um, and that, that crowdfunding site was serious.neverendinglight.com, we set records. We, we raised over a half a million dollars. It's the largest crowdfunded documentary on the planet ever. And um, it, it's an amazing lift. And what we did was we took some of our resources. Uh, we always communicated with the community, and we found a way to get a sample of that specimen, a little piece of bone marrow, some brain tissue, and some other items of that specimen, and we took it to an undisclosed number one or two ranking genetic facility in the world. Now, I'm keeping that undisclosed at this point because obviously it's in the film. It will be out on Monday. Uh, we, The person that did the testing does not feel comfortable at this point in time coming out full kimono in front of everybody. However, um, I mean, it's amazing the results that he has analyzed, the DNA. So, I mean, let's just start there. The DNA of this being uh, is impressive and amazing and interesting. And some of the big facts, uh, wow, I, I want to give you guys the facts, but I also don't want to give you the movie. So yeah, this, is a, <laughs> this is a filmmaker's conundrum. Come on, but it's not like we're say. not going to watch it anyway. It's not like a book we're not going to buy. We're going to watch the movie anyway. <laughs> well, let's just say, how about this, how about this? I'll give you no, guys no, 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 I'm only teased. I'm only teased. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit. Um, 
the first and foremost thing is it's six to eight inches long. Uh, and that's only because it's a little bit crunched up and nobody wants to pull it apart and get the actual measurement. So they, they have it uh, down to 13 centimeters in, in, in the way it looks right now. Now, obviously, you guys can see images online. Um, or you might have them. And I think I've given you guys a couple images. But anyway, six to eight inches long. The, 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 the big smack on it is, oh, that must be a fetus. That must be somebody's aborted a fetus that was skeletally had progeria or some aging disease or something, and it came out. I mean, the first smack on it is people say, oh, that's a bunch of bird bones glued together. Well, we obviously know that's not the case. That cannot be the case because you've got ultimate, these amazing scientists who are analyzing this thing, and that's, I think, the first thing that they would realize. On top of we've done CT scans, we've done um, x-rays, we've done everything under the gamut of medical proficiency to analyze the scene. Now, six to eight inches long, okay? So the first thing we had to find out is what is the age of this being. So we took it to a specialist, a bone specialist, to talk about the uh, calcification of the bone. After all is said and done, the analyst, and he's been backed by many people, and he's one of the top in his field, and he's, I mean, he's downright won every award you can think of, except the Nobel Prize, um, he has said, this thing must be between six to eight years old. That has to do, and that's groundbreaking, because it's six to eight years old, it's six to eight inches big, and that means for six years it has survived on the terrestrial planet. How do we know? How do we know? This? So there are a number of dynamics, you know, with the specimen itself that we know it was here, it was under the same influences and things that we go through in the Atacama Desert. So that is one groundbreaking thing to know. Um, and that by itself would trip every medical alarm. I mean, people would be coming out of the woodworks. Doctors would be coming from far and wide going, is this a disease? Is this a, a new specimen? Is this a new species? Is it, what is this thing? Because it looks human. But it's obviously not our size, right? And I'm speaking, you can see how I'm walking on like, Actually, I'll tell you this information because I don't want anybody to say, okay, uh, these guys are on a level playing field. They're going up and beyond what they already know. Uh, so currently, I'm not going above what I know. I'm going by the facts that have been fixed by scientists and by analysis. Um, and then the very next thing is, uh, well, if it's six to eight inches long, can we get can we can get the bone marrow? Can we do the genetics on it? Can we see how it maps in accordance to let's say a primate or let's say a human genome, right? And that's what we did. And so we've mapped it against the human genome as thoroughly as we can up until this point, uh, because science is limited. Even the human genome is not fully mapped, um, and that's that's what you find in the film. Hey, That's Don. one of the 90,000 things you'll this, find. This guy's killing me. He's <laughs> killing me. He's like, he's like unwrapping a birthday present in slow motion. I'm like, yep. I'm ready to like go nuts because I'm gonna sit. People are gonna start hit, sitting here googling six to eight inches, and they're gonna find the wrong images of whatever they're looking for. <laughs> so, could, could, you, could you do me a favor and give 
about the website. They need so, to get over to the dash radio dot com is where they need to go, okay, Peter. They need to go to the dash radio and look at the entire series spread that we have done over there. They can see the YouTube video, they can see everything. They'll have the links to all the serious stuff. Alex and the guys have put together an entire our logo contains an alien right now. So you can't miss it. I promise you. The dash radio dot com Hop on, check out the post. You'll have cheese everywhere. All you got to do is click the cheese everywhere okay. on the page. You'll be able to find your little alien friends, and you'll be able to find the premiere, and the link to the movie is coming up, and they'll be able to watch the movie on our site. I mean, we are we are serious about serious. Right yeah, because yeah, he's driving me crazy over here. He's kind of like getting a little bit of pieces. I feel like... Like he's unwrapping a book. Yeah, yeah, you're the guy who motion. says, hold on, don't let him tell me about the movie. I'm going to tell him about the movie. I know you. <laughs> this is big news. I mean, this is big news. And this kind of needs you can't tell the... he was born in New York, can you? <laughs> I, I can now. I can now. No, uh, and, you know, and just just because we're on the air and, you know, it, it is a it is a, a sad day in terms of what happened in, in Boston, yeah. um, it is something to mention that, you know, the world is in a bit of a crisis. And uh, maybe the the simplest way to say it is there's some kind of lack of balance or equilibrium that we're having that's creating turmoil all around the world. And that might be, uh, and because maybe I'm more Buddhist than most people, maybe it has a little bit more to do with ego and looking at ourselves and being very um, egocentric, you know, whether it be, and you guys know this, I think, from my my father was killed on August 5th of this past year during the filming of this of this film, and he was killed by a white extremist. And I'm I'm Punjabi, I'm Indian. Uh, my dad wears a turban and has a beard. Uh, we I grew up in India. I, I was born in India, grew up in in America, and uh, I, I've definitely been um, assaulted a number of times in terms of race and ethnic background. But I I never thought to myself that my father would be killed over his race or ethnic background. And, and and that's why I say after all the factors and all the things that I've been thinking about, this one subject matter, the idea of UFOs, extraterrestrials, living life, I mean, outside of what we see on this terrestrial planet, we have to start taking our mind and elevating it to a whole new level and playing field. If we're going to think about the cosmic order and divinity and the universal reactions that must be happening everywhere far exceed what we're our little small problems on this planet. Um, but that that to say, the Bo- the Boston bombing is obviously not a small problem. What happened on August sixth is not a small problem. We have to we have to find that balance of measuring. These things are tremendously horrible right now, and maybe we all. I mean, I'm not going to say we all hold hands and sing kumbaya, but at the very least, we expand our our thinking. We expand our scientific reach. We expand our uh, human curiosity. Um, why Why should we all say to ourselves, well, the meaning of life is captured in this book over here. It's done. I got it. If, if you're just wanting to to go, and I, I, I'm not you know, speaking to anybody's religion or anything, but you know, that's what religion does. Religion says, hey, we have all the answers. They're in this book over here. You know, you get them and you, you move on. I'm, I'm going to venture to say but the answers, whether or not they're in that book, still need to be analyzed and assessed and still need to be 
understood by everybody. And, and I got a feeling that they might not all be in that book. <laughs> there might be more to this puzzle than meets the eye. And on that note, and I do want to get um, a little bit more into the story about what happened with your dad, but first, a quick station identification break, and we'll be right back with Amdeep Kalika and the serious launch this week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradio.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. And that was it. Thanks for back. And, um... You know, I when I was reading up on what happened with your dad, I thought, wow, that's that's pretty intense stuff for you to have to go through and um and for what he stood for. So, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of that story and tell them what happened exactly and who your dad was and 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 really how that whole thing happened. Absolutely. Um my father, I mean, was the average American story, I mean, or was the epitome of the American dream. He literally came with no less than, you know, $20 in his pocket and made a life in Wisconsin, the Midwest of America, uh, the heartland. And he, I mean, he became a a successful entrepreneur. He became a successful person. And he, instead of taking his money and going to buy a yacht or buying an extra house or buying a vacation home, he took all his money and he started a Sikh temple because we just didn't have one. And a Sikh temple is, uh, is an open place. It's 24 hours a day. You're able to go in and meditate, whether it be you meditate on the Bible or the Torah or the Quran. It doesn't really matter. You just go in there, and it's a peaceful house of worship. You get food. It's open 24 hours a day. They play really harmonic music that's supposed to elevate your meditation. And you go in, you sit, and you just relax. Um, and so my dad became the the caretaker of that temple. He became the president of that temple that he started with a group of friends. Uh, and it became one of the largest temples in the Midwest. And lo and behold, uh, that could have been what did it in because it became like this this beam of light in a very dark, ignorant place. And I'm not saying the Midwest is ignorant. I'm just saying lately there's been a lot of racial tension, especially after the election of Barack Obama, which has nothing to do with, you know, race in total. It has to do with fueling the fire of very ignorant people. And so that fire had just started elevating and my dad was could have possibly been in the wrong place at the wrong time. I'm not going to say that. Maybe he was in the right place at the right time because all that he did, all that he worked for, uh, he was at the temple early on a t- at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Um, him, my mother, a group of elders, a group of children, a lot of women who were cooking and getting prepared for that day's uh, feast, um, and uh, a white extremist, uh, neo-Nazi, who came in with a, a, a semi-automatic 9mm pistol with several clips in, in hand, uh, several extended clips. He wore, um, in his, and he was a former military guy, so he had a ton of training. He wore uh, uh, earplugs in his right ear because he knew he was going to fire so often uh, with that right ear. And he came in and unloaded in the temple. And he shot... Uh, six people dead, a seventh critically wounded. When, after he was, 
he got, I mean, he ran all everywhere. He ran after people shooting after them, didn't know who they were, didn't know what they were standing for. When he had shot five people, uh, or actually he had shot six people, my dad confronted him and tried to take the gun out of his hand and fight him down. And my dad at this point is now, he was 67 years old. Um, he's definitely not the most active human being or humongous. He's actually quite skinny. But he took all his courage and mustered it up and attacked uh, an armed individual and tried to wrestle the gun out of his hand. In the fight, uh, my dad was shot five times. Uh, he survived the shot uh, for another several hours where he prayed and, and meditated and tried to get to a good understanding of what happened. I, I hope he did. Uh, I think he did because I, I, I get several warm feelings when I think of him and I don't think of uh, of hatred consuming my heart. I don't think that's the energy he sent when he died. He sent a, a hero's energy. And um, this person, after the fight with my dad, left the temple. He immediately uh, was confronted in the parking lot by several police officers, and um, he shot one of the police officers, uh, Lieutenant Brian Murphy, I think over 17, 18 times. He unloaded a whole clip into him. The, the police officer laid on the ground and actually said, when is this guy going to run out of bullets? See, that's what he thought in his mind, and he has a great article in GQ uh, about it where he explains everything. And this person's on the ground, Lieutenant Brian Murphy's on the ground, thinking, when's he going to end? Uh, another officer decides, instead of doing a U-turn, I'm going to jump the curb, I'm going to get in there right away, uh, and this is Officer Sam Linda, he pulls up and sees this guy plugging the other officer, just shooting at him. He jumps out. Um, the short story, he grabs his assault rifle. Uh, they, they exchange fire. He backs up his car, gets to a good position. You can see a bullet flying through his windshield and hitting his driver's seat where he would have been sitting, right? Um, and he jumps out, grabs his assault rifle, takes several shots, hits this person in the stomach, and this person is such a weak coward, he shoots himself dead. Because, uh, I mean, he commits suicide right then and there. So this was all happening, mind you, where I'm only about five minutes away from arriving at the temple because my mom is asking, hey, it's our, you know, let, I need some help over here. My mom, mom is hiding in the pantry with 16 other women and trying to keep them cool and calm and keep everybody hiding while there's bullets flying everywhere. Uh, there's children flying. I mean, it's just... So the people who died, three priests were killed. My father was killed. Um, uh, an elder was killed in the temple. And it, it, it was, I mean, it was a tremendously, like, hard situation. And the, and the one lady who was killed, um, she was literally praying in that same prayer hall where you could go and it's 24 hours a day. She was praying there and she was killed. And her two sons are really good friends of mine. And it, all, all the information is online for people to see. Now, this is where, I mean, this is the story that I know. This is the story that I'm a part of. Now, there is a whole other very dark, sinister story that started to, like, circulate. And that had to do with even Newtown or even... Um, Aurora, Colorado uh, There's this whole story of conspiracy Conspiracy by a secret cabal To create 
disaster or create these, like, situations so that they can disarm us or that we can all fight the gun-toting, you know, or we can all uh, take guns out of people's hands. And and that, that conspiracy theory, and this is what I always tell people, you really, really got to be careful with what you can prove and what you cannot prove because uh, the Internet is a world, and we kind of all know this, uh, the Internet is a world where people will voice nine negative opinions before they voice one positive opinion. Maybe that's the world we all live in. Can we, you know, we could all chalk that up, right? That might be the world. Um, so the Internet is a conglomerate of 90% of, like, negativity and 10% of beacons of light. And depending on what you want to find, you can find the negative or you can find the positive. Um, generally speaking, we try to aim for the truth. And in this case, with that conspiracy, and maybe, I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this conspiracy of, of uh, Newtown, or uh, have you guys ever heard of that? Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. my kids went to Sandy Hook Elementary School, and we're from Newtown. Oh, my God, yeah. And and to me, it it, uh, it demeans the reality of the situation. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is it it is a horrible event, and it has a, an aggregate of negative uh, reasons for why that event even took place. Let's say, for example, uh, pharmaceuticals or medical things, uh, like somebody's taking a, an antidepressant that, like, creates some kind of, like, uh, unknown, you know... Psychotic um, break, side. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, psychotic break, thank you. And uh, Or a, a clear, open access to guns. That's obviously the situation in America. We have a very clear and open access to almost all firearms, I can easy, I can more easy get a firearm or easy, I don't even know how to say that grammatically. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I could get a firearm far easier than I could get a, a dog. I could get a firearm far easier than I can get certain child seat or a child car seat. Um, and it, it shouldn't be that way. And then the aggregate is also that we're living in a time of zeitgeist, of complete advanced uh, disequilibrium, this disconnection where our youth are not getting properly connected to each other. They're becoming a little bit more, let's say, selfish. They're sitting in front of a bunch of video games. They're creating angst amongst themselves. They're not getting proper guidance or uh, shamanism or guruship or a certain amount of, like, parenting that they need in order to, like, survive this planet. Um, There's a ton of aggregate problems. Now, are all those aggregate problems, once you put them together, a conspiracy, hedged and housed by a very, very elite few people? I'm going to venture to say the potential is there. Yes. Nobody can argue that the potential is not there, because if I was on a radio show with you and I can think of all those things, why couldn't I, why couldn't I be in a think tank with somebody paying me a million dollars and I think of ways to create this? Uh, discord and war and all these other things. But I also have to say that the proof is not there. The proof is not... After documenting and uh, going through this film, there's certain things that we can prove. We can prove that our government misspends money on war. We can prove that uh, there is a small, select few people running a number of things, whether it be your school or whether it be your nearest corporate giant. Of course, the small elite have uh, the need or uh, the essence of what we call Machiavellian, you know, personality. Uh, people say power corrupts absolutely, right? 
well, I'll go one step further. Abs- uh, corrupt people seek absolute power. And that is the situation. And so I, that zone of conspiracy land, I stay 50-50 on it. I stay very gray on it because I, as soon as you go black and white, as soon as you start, I mean, you could either be creating a heck of a lot of problems or you could be creating a heck of a lot of light. And I don't know which one it is in the conspiracy world. So, um, especially in the Internet conspiracy world, because people conspire about everything. It's horrible. But in terms of what happened to my father, he lived a great life. He he died a hero. It was obviously difficult for me to continue on this film because a large portion of our film has to do with conspiracy. And, of course, the first thing that came to my head was, did, did something just happen at the temple that was connected to my film? Did... Is this the case? You know, and and uh, that's a, a really egotistical statement given the dynamics of what did happen. I don't think our small, serious film, crowdfunded, you know, by the people, for the people, created a bunch of angst where nobody warned me. Nobody said, you know what, I think you should stop, uh, you know, stop on this film before we do something to your family. I guarantee somebody would do that before they actually commit the crime of murder. They would try to take you away from the project. So, I don't know. I might have gone down a rabbit hole right there. but That's hope, okay. Well, we're going to be right back after this station identification, and um, and we'll we'll have lots more time to talk about many more things <laughs> right now after this. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradio.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience. And like us on Facebook.com forward slash The Dash Radio. And now, back to the show. And we are back to The Dash with Armadeep Kalika and um, the director of the movie Sirius, which is coming to premiere both in L.A. and on the Internet on Monday. And before we get into that, I just want to thank you for, you know, opening yourself wide open and telling us that story. I mean, I lost my mom many years ago, and it's like every time I tell the story, it's like I relive it a little bit. And I know that that's a vulnerable space, talking about your dad and and losing him. But uh, it sounds to me like he was a truly honorable man who gave great things um, to you and to the rest of the world and and that the world is a better place because of him and that you are following in his footsteps. So thank you for that. Yeah, and for, um, our, for our sake, I, I don't see any correlation really between what you were doing with the documentary and the misguided nature of the gentleman that did that to the innocent people in your dad's temple. So I don't see any correlation at all. I remember reading about your dad's, so I knew your of your dad when it happened through the stuff that I read through the newspapers and it's unfortunate that it just seems like sometimes they're just misguided people with with misguided actions and I don't know what wound that gentleman up so tightly that he did what he did because that's a really big thing but I doubt it had anything to do with your documentary relative to the serious project but I feel how do you words can't explain what happened to your dad as well as to your family and I hope Everything is just going okay with the, you know, going okay, and the temple is doing fine as well, because I'm sure it helps a lot of people. They, they they are doing great. Thank you, Peter, and you know, thank you, Don, for sharing your your personal personal stories. And I, you know, it it's they're doing much better now, but it is obviously time heals, 
And this concept of time is something we, we talk about in the film quite frequently because time and space are kind of gelled together. And the way that we're floating on this little rock through the universe is really complex. And mm-hmm. there's anomalous things happening all over the place, and we can't account for them. But yet, we we the number one thing we have to do as a human civilization is never give up trying to figure it out. And I think the reason people give up is because we've come so far in a short amount of time that we think to ourselves, we know everything. We know everything about cars. We know everything about mechanical things. We've built computers. But it, we we haven't come that far when you think about it because we're we're raping the resources of the planet at such a, an alarming rate that we need to double-check what we are actually doing. Are we on the right path? Or are we on a path of, like, complete destruction and uh, and it, it's not it's not going the right way. And that's why um why we made the film. We we, we found that that thought process very invigorating and exciting and interesting to delve into. And you I, know, and I, we're we're all about entrepreneurism and, and filmmaking by far is one of the core entrepreneuristic ventures. Um a few years ago, we were looking at, as I told you on the phone, um, at bringing um, uh, independent film to multi-level marketing, and I was involved with a project that was super, we were super excited about it, and it just, there wasn't enough interest in independent film in the United States to run an entire multi-level marketing company with it, but we found that uh, I, of course, found great passion in independent film, and and uh, the people who, and, and that today's technology has really given so many people who wanted and had a film in their heart and in their minds, you know, has, our technology has brought us to a place where, you know, with crowdsourcing, both, you know, both the money and, you know, YouTube and all of these things, people can actually go ahead and see this dream become a reality. And you have done that in, you know, absolute entrepreneuristic um Excellence, you know, it's just it's so cool what you've done, and 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 so many people came out to support it. Can you talk a little bit about your crowdsourcing experience? Because we've actually talked about dabbling in crowdsourcing over here at the Dash, and uh, I'd love to hear about your experience with it. Well, I mean, it it, it is. Uh, many people don't remember this, but the uh, Encyclopedia Britannica was crowdsourced in yes. England. That's mm-hmm. how they built that, and now. The the fact is, the Encyclopedia Britannica, let's say, had 6,000 pages of, of scientific research and analysis put together. Wikipedia, in terms of crowdsourcing, has now done what? Over a million some pages mm-hmm. of information in the very same vein. And when you look at accuracy, Wikipedia is far more accurate than the Encyclop- Encyclopedia Britannica. Mm-hmm. And so it's amazing to see how how much crowdsourcing can do. And now I'll separate crowdsourcing from crowdfunding, right? Because crowdsourcing could be that we have created a crowd and network and we go out and say, hey, guys, we need an idea on marketing scheme. You know, here are two memes that we're thinking about running. Which one do you guys find to be better or worse? Or, mm-hmm. hey, guys, here's a small avatar. Uh, and you guys, you guys might have seen this from our crowdfunding, but if you haven't, I'll send you the avatar that we use. It's an S. And we wanted to show uh, a solidarity on Facebook or a solidarity on Twitter where if you can get enough people putting that S up and it's all your friends, you see that everybody's roped into this uh, 
into this um, node, into this like little fulcrum of people pushing something. And that by itself is exactly what crowdsourcing and crowdfunding is. It's putting our purses together, let's say for crowdfunding sake, it's us putting three or four dollars together or ten dollars or fifty dollars, something that isn't hard for us to do, and putting it together with thousands of people. We had over four thousand funders on this project. You know, and we're lifting a film that most people won't ever wanna make. No documentary company wants to talk about this subject matter because it's controversial and it's it's all these negative things and you can go down a rabbit hole and it takes forever to like consolidate all the information and you have to do 35 interviews. I mean, it's, it's a conundrum. It is a, a difficult push. <laughs> On top of that, we, we're also, you know, it's entertainment. It, we have to talk about the entertainment industry as being part of the problem in terms of its bread and circuit. Lo and behold, the putting that money together will allow us to make a bigger venture. So one of the things I you know I wanted to announce with you guys is we're we're putting together a whole uh, team, a whole new company. I'm not going to name it on air yet, so nobody steals our websites and stuff. But um, <laughs> we're going to be looking for technical people. We're going to be looking for entertainment people, for media people, for musicians. We're going to be looking for everybody and anybody so we can share the information and knowledge that we've gathered over our adventure of breaking records and try to share that with people and get them um, consulted with and get them the proper items. So, I mean, the first thing you got to consider, this is almost like a, the normal consultation I gave everybody when, when they sat down with me and said, hey, you know, what's up with crowdfunding, which I do. So you have to consider whether you're a Kickstarter, an Indiegogo, or a custom platform. You know, are you Facebook? Are you Twitter? Are you um, email? Are you phone? Are you knock on the door, what are you? What is the DNA of your project? Once you figured out the DNA of your project, in comparison to market research, in comparison to like everything you can get from Google Trends and Google Analytics, you can figure out what you need to do in terms of your path to being crowdfunded. Is your goal $10,000? Is it $5? Is it you know $500,000? What is going to be the things that you give to people when you're done? And and that collateral is exactly what people want to know and what what they want to do. Does that help, John? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, you know, I can tell you, we've got a whole lot of people that have come through the dash that I am sure would be really interested in your project. So we'll make sure we'll we'll collaborate on that and put it up on the dash and and start reeling some people in to go ahead and and support your project further. It's it's a really cool project, so I'm really excited about it. I can't wait to see the movie. Um, you know, I played the preview, the trailer, like three times last night just to be able to see the part with the little guy. And, um, <laughs> you know, you told me, interestingly, last night, um, you know, how how old that actual specimen was and a little bit about it, and you really had me, um, it kind of clunked. So would you share a little bit about that experience when, when you were talking to them about that being? I mean, uh, in, in terms of, um, uh, I, I know that I have to be a little bit, like, guarded about the information we put out today. There are a lot of detractors out there, and there are a lot of people that don't believe uh, in the scientific approach. Now, in our situation, we've taken a specimen, we've gathered the information, we've gathered the materials, We've taken it to the top geneticists in the world who have spent a lifetime uh, in stem cell research and DNA analysis, and they've gone through and created an amazing 
of results page. And what they're going to do, which is going to be awesome, is they're going to publish the results not only in peer-reviewed journals, but they're going to open source all of the analysis. So, for example, uh, if you're a geneticist in Japan and you're looking at the HAR1 gene in terms of what ancient alien theorists call like the HAR1 gene, the, the gene that separates uh, and, and I mean, it, it, this puzzle is big, obviously. Like, um, the, oh, man, it's, it's a big puzzle. I, it's so hard to articulate. But let's say we as a, a race, uh, we as a humanity don't really fit exactly with the terrestrial beings that are already here, like the animals that we see or the, the bacterium or everything else. There's something completely different with us uh, or something a little bit different from us. Genetics should be able to tell you or epigenetics or these types of scientific research should be able to tell you the history of where you come from and what you are. And that is exactly what we need to know with the specimen. So, you know, uh, the, the, one of the big things that we know is it's six to eight years old, it's six to eight inches tall, it's male. We know a ton of extra stuff now. And I, I definitely don't want to announce it just yet, only because I need, I need everybody to watch the film and get get the background information, the context, to, so when you actually analyze the results by the end of the film, when you're hearing the results, you have all of this context to put the results in. And now you walk away going, okay, I understand where this situation is and where, why it is. If I just say, say it right now, obviously I'd have to talk for two hours and give you context, right? <laughs> Well, I think that the reality is is just, you know, that that the fact that what was it, I think you said it was either decades up to a hundred years ago. That Oh, being, that's a yeah. I can give you yeah. that I can give you that information. Yeah, yeah. So that, so the so the first thing is people think it's an ancient being, right? They think that it is uh thousands of years old. Lo and behold, we also thought that. We I mean everything we didn't know how long it had mummified in the desert. We don't. We never knew. So we had to get the analysis done. We had to figure it all out. And based on uh, telomeres, uh, some people know that about genetics, uh, about the, uh, the, uh, the, cla- uh, the um, calcification in the bones, um, the, all the other material that, that's around the being, the geneticists and the scientists at this university have figured out that it is either up to 100 years old or as little as two decades ago. Now, obviously, we already know that it's been in the possession of certain people for about two decades. So the, the scary, or I mean the interesting, I won't say scary, the most interesting factor to consider is this being was alive in 1915, in 1913. This thing was running around and eating and metabolizing and doing very normal things. It does not appear to have a number of other factors that would make it, uh, let's say, a disease-driven-filled baby. You know, or six to eight years old, we don't know if that means six to eight years old in our terms. We do see a, a crazy amount of calcification in the bones of the being. So this thing was calcified. It was, a, I mean, at, at least an adolescent, if not more. So that information right there, I mean, just drive you down a whole nother well because now does that mean that there are other beings in the Atacama Desert that are running around like this and doing this? Because we know civilizations or species don't just die out in a matter of, you know, 100 years. 
they, they, I mean, it takes a tremendous amount of time unless there's something like the KT impact or something humongous had happened, you know? So, I mean, I got a feeling there's going to be a number of expeditions going to the Atacama Desert after they watch the film. And we might be on one of those. Like, we, we, we've been talking about it ourselves as a documentary film crew, like finding the right people to associate ourselves with and uh, the right scientists and the right people who have a true... Um, curious nature to figure this out. Absolutely. And uh, we're just going to go ahead and stop for a second of station identification, and we'll be right back. Thanks for tuning in. To follow our every move, here's what to do. First, click follow at the top of our show. Then, hop on over and subscribe to our blog at www.thedashradio.com. Text DASH to 37404 for our upcoming mobile experience and like us on facebook.com forward slash the dash radio and now back to the show and we are back for our last bit on the dash with arm and the serious well he's the director of the movie serious and everybody if you haven't seen the trailer you have to go see the trailer it's right over on the dash radio.com um, it's front and center from today's news, and uh, we're going to be putting a new stuff up every single day about the film, about the people involved with the film. Arm is the director, and earlier today you all heard from Costa, who um, is, uh, how do you say, E.T. Let's Talk is his project, and he was featured in the film in several different places, correct? Absolutely. Costa is in the film uh, uh, several times. One, discussing how people actually go out and create contact with extraterrestrials. Now, this is a complex situation, right? Um, it is a very unique and interesting idea that you could actually call or create contact uh, with different civilizations or different universal beings through uh, your mind consciousness. And this is, I mean, I can go down this rabbit hole if you'd like me. I could just kind of give a 30-second sum up. Um, all it You're is, is welcome. all it is is that everything on this planet and everything in the universe must be connected according to quantum physics. We must have some connection if it's all it might be is just space and time. But either way, that connection allows us to use our mind and through certain meditations, certain tones, or certain harmonies, uh, create a connection with other beings. Like we'll call it going to channel one. Everybody opens up a chat room by going to this one meditation, and now other things are attracted to that chat room, and you're able to communicate and effectively get together. Now, this is obviously far different than what our brains are usually associated with doing. And that is a stretch for a lot of people. And so a lot of people go, oh, that's hairy-fairy, or that's just weird, that's just crazy. I, I challenge these people to go on an expedition by yourself or go with a group of people Keep an open mind, sit down, relax, join the meditation, and see what happens. Because in the film, you'll see me do that. I have no ET experience. I have no UFO knowledge, right, before this film. I came to it clearly, like, as objective as a human can be. I went on one expedition at the beginning of this film before August 5th, and you'll see what happens to me in the, in the film. It is crazy. Like, the, th- the things that I saw that night... The, the things I felt, the meditations we did, it was an intense moment in my life. And it would be something that I, you know, have always 
I'll always treasure it and always it will make me think of the universe differently. And that might be exactly what people need in order to get up off the living room couch and do something and see things that are different and then go, whoa, I didn't realize that this could happen. You know, um, and Kosa is featured there, but he's also featured in the fact that he is a galvanizing force in terms of creating a really concrete, good network of people. He has something like 1,100 teams around the world doing this, creating contact or trying to create contact. Uh, multiple nights, every night, you know, people are out under the stars looking and trying to create this contact and create a connection. And so um, that's one element of our film that is really, really, we delve into it, and it's a really amazing thread. That's really cool. I know, and I know that was as we were reading through the stuff, Alex was going, "Oh, we're totally going to do this." You know, we have uh, we <laughs> nice. live in Arkansas in the middle of nowhere, so we have a lot of middle of nowhere that we can do stuff like that. <laughs> so, you know, you guys have turned on the kid, and all of us we're all ready to go out and explore and see if we could make contact. I mean, it's it's something that I think we all grow up watching Hollywood's version of of you know, extraterrestrial and, and contact. And, you know, I personally was an X-Files junkie. And um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I had that, like, also fear and that oministic possibility of, of what first contact would be. And and Costa really worked to turn my head on that one today. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that um, no matter what side of the fence that you sit on, as far as um, you know, if you believe that extraterrestrials exist, and um, it's a real stretch to believe that we're the only people on and every chunk of rock in every galaxy and in, in this entire universe that we're the only intelligent life. And I use intelligent lightly. Um, you know. It's such a stretch for me to believe that that anybody could believe that. Um, so you know, then it's just a matter of okay, if we all agree that there's got to be life, you know, why would they come here and what do they want with us? And uh, you know, I don't even want to know much more about humans on some days. So I, I I'm very curious as to what they want to know from us. You know. Well, you, um, well, you know, Don, you said something amazing, and I think this is something that is, like, an interesting factor. You yourself, I mean, just by what you just said, it was a bit self-deprecating in terms of humanity, right? It was Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Because mm-hmm. I think it achieves a balance in you that allows you to continue searching. I think once people open up a book and say, look, I'm the authority on the subject, I know everything about it. You are done. You will stop learning. You will stop searching. You will, and maybe some people need that in order to live their life, in order to like you know have some kind of like balance or equilibrium that they can survive with. But in terms of the humanity, it doesn't take much to say we do not know everything. It was only, I mean, what some thousands of years ago, or about a thousand years ago, or five hundred years ago, that we thought the Earth was flat, and also it was not round, and also it was the center of the galaxy. I mean, that's really ridiculous considering all the stuff we know now. And then even now, like, our car is the best mode of transportation. People will say, yeah, you know, riding a bus or riding a train. How do you know? Did you not think that there's electrogravity everywhere on this, you know, in the universe, and that's actually what the Earth is riding on around this giant? And we're riding at a really crazy high speed around this, like, sun. And that, that is riding at a crazy high speed around... 
uh, the universal cluster or the galaxy or the Milky Way galaxy. So how do you know what the best mode of travel is if you haven't examined all of these resources or all these thought processes? That's a very good and point. You're going to definitely get, I think when you watch this film, it's going to take you down those, at least get you the cliff notes you need to start the examination and search. Our ultimate goal is some 18, 19-year-old person is sitting out there in the world and is curious and is excited about this, watches the film and goes, holy moly, if I look at electrogravitics and the Maxwell theory and this, and I look at this over here, I put these things together, let me try to experiment over here. We show you a ton of experiments. And you start to experiment with things. I got a feeling in the next 50 to 100 years, we're going to solve a ton of problems. We're going to solve a lot of issues that are like crippling us as a society or a civilization. Right. Absolutely. Peter, you are so quiet over there. I am so quiet because this is your gig, and I love this stuff, and I just am totally entertained <laughs> listening to you guys, knowing full well that I can enjoy the picture in my mind of you and your small posse in the middle of the darkness experiencing with all Reese's, the things you're going to do. With Reese's Pieces. With Reese's Pieces. I could <laughs> see it now, and I wish I had a video cam. I would pay for that simulcast. I have a, you, you know, I, I hate to say it, I've been blessed or cursed with a Windows 95 brain. So I realized that, you know what, if my maker just didn't create my brain able to be able to understand the whole entire universe, so I'm somewhat limited. And to anybody to ever think that we are the only ones would I think be a little bit on the narcissistic side. Mm-hmm. So of course there's got to be other places out there. Just because we can't figure out how they transport themselves from one place to another doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. So I am absolutely convinced that there has to be. Even my little brain, who is equipped with maybe the wrong operating system, can say, just because I can't figure it out myself or just because we haven't figured it out yet doesn't mean it doesn't happen. So I have no doubt in my mind that all the things that we're referencing and the social proof that now uh, that documentation, uh, the documentary that um, ARM is going to be able to bring out really starts to force the issue. There's this little guy that they found. I'm going to call him a guy, right? This little thing that they found, and that is the proof. And it wasn't a fa- it wasn't a uh, an application on somebody's mobile phone that they were able to distort. It's an actual physical thing that opens up the door for all the other really cool things that people have been shouting about for a really long time. So I love the concept of this opening up for a lot of people to be able to explore. And there's things happening simultaneously maybe coincidentally as as a result of the movie being introduced. But I think, you know, Arm, you'd be able to discuss this a little bit more than us. What about those con- congressional-style hearings that are going to be happening in the next couple of days, and will your movie be part of any of that? Absolutely. It's called The Citizen's Hearing, and um, we were asked, I was asked to, to direct it earlier. And um, I just, I mean, given the dynamics of all that we had to do with Sirius, I said this is a... It won't fit into our schedule, and we, I don't want to drop the ball on this. But the team that is behind it, Steve Bassett and his team, are amazingly good people, and they've been searching out the best congressional people to have a live debate in front of where they can go back and forth and try to discuss whether or not people in government actually do know what's going on and if they have the information. And now, 
what what's amazing about what you said, Peter, was simply, and I, I mean, you're just a hyper genius anyway, but, you know, um, it was the fact that do we have the brain plasticity or can we create the associations necessary in our brain to have these discussions, to have these thought processes? And everything in our brain works, all our memory, all of the way we think, it works through association. So as we're associating new things, as we're connecting and trying to go out and uh, on the horizon and look at new things, we're going to find a whole cluster of other new things. It's, it's very similar to you just bought a, a new car and it's a Mercedes and you're driving. I mean, I would never buy a Mercedes, but they're expensive. But let's say you bought a new Mercedes and you're driving down the highway and you're going to see about 100 new Mercedes. It's just that, that natural order of the way our brain works. And I'm hoping that Sirius can be the little cliff notes or the little encyclopedia that you need to get you on track with what's been going on. Now, that, obviously, to the hardcore people who have been following this for 30, 50 years or 40 years, it, we might not delve as deep as they need us to delve. However, for the 17, 16, 25, 32-year-old person who this is new to and has never had this put together in front of them like a giant puzzle, we're hoping to succeed at, at uh, in creating the right rhetoric and the right narrative for them to understand. And I, and I hope that happens, and I think the citizen hearing is a part of that. I think uh, once you go online and go to the right website, the Dash is definitely a part of that. You guys are amazing, and you guys have been doing a tremendous amount of uh, groundbreaking things in terms of talking about the way our community works, the way that marketing works, the way that people need to connect. And I love your catchphrase about it's the, you know, it's the dash in between the numbers of your life because mm-hmm. it is. The, you know, there's really concrete things that happen. Life and death is one of them. These are very concrete things. Uh, but the things in between, the way you inference them, the way your perspective shifts in between those hard numbers, that is what we're talking about. That is our humanity. That is our civilization. Absolutely. Here, here. All right. Oh, you well, awesome. you know, this has been the hour is just like flown by, and um, I'm I'm really hoping that we're going to be able to get you and Costa and some other people back next week after the premiere, so we can actually talk about the movie because we can't talk about the movie because nobody wants to blow the movie for anybody. Um, <laughs> so. I'm hoping we can get you back. I know that we're trying to get JD on, and he is what to the film. J.D. Serafin is the producer of the film. The producer.